You are listening to Checkered Past and Present, hosted by Jonathan Booth and Brett Lofton. This podcast is about the history and the present day of NASCAR. Now for your host, Jonathan and Brett, take it away. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Pocono on Sunday was a crazy day for sure. We're going to give you all the details and our opinions on it. Uh, I'm going to try not to be real biased toward the end. If you've listened to the show, you know that I'm a Larson fan. It wasn't a good day for fandom-wise for either co-host between Logano and Larson's finish on Sunday. But, uh, Brett, what's your opening opinion on what happened in Pocono on Sunday? So we will we'll do this like court. How about that? I think that's the best way to do it and kind of give an opening statement but try to keep it objective as to what happened on the racetrack, and then we'll go from there. I think that's a good format. We've uh, started to adapt here on Checker Pass and Present. So we'll do a full – I'll do a full recap of the race, and then obviously the last thing that we'll talk about is um, the Larson incident uh, between he and Hamlin and Jonathan will give you his complete thoughts on that. Um, whether they be biased or not, I, I don't think they will be. I think everybody pretty much agrees. But um, obviously it was a really good race. Stage one, uh, you know, it was one of those stages to where some guy short-pitted um, in order to not have to pit during the stage break. Other guys stayed out. Joe Legano, one of those guys that stayed out, won the stage, able to win a stage point or a playoff point, I should say, and uh, 10, 10 points at the end of the stage. And thank goodness he did because he gets absolutely obliterated on the initial restart for stage two. And then Suarez, his day was done. Um, you know, he, he had the tow truck situation. If you saw that on Twitter or somewhere with the, um, with the audio, um, I could say this. I've been to many, many races. I've listened to Joey every time on the scanner. I've never heard him curse that much. Um, that was the foulest mouth I'd heard of Joey. But I think it may have been warranted um, with what they were trying to do there. So we had that incident happen. And then the very next restart is when Larson gets dumped by Christopher Bale. I thought his day was over at that point when he backed into the wall. Didn't hit the wall that hard, though. And then we had another incident, and then we continued to be able to go there in stage two. You had the Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick incident where Austin launched his helmet at the car. Um, he thought he was wrong. Most of the fan base and most of the drivers obviously thought that Austin wrecked himself. Get to the end of stage two, in which Kyle Larson wins after he stayed out, and they thought he was going to run out of gas under the caution. So Larson just had all kind of issues, and we just made it through the second stage. So we get to third stage, um, continue to be great racing, which I thought there was all day long. Um, and, you know, we had some pitch strategy, trying to stay out on the long run. You got some cars on the short run, cars taking two tires, four tires on that last pit stop. Um, Denny, it's a three-car race at this point between Larson, Denny, and Martin Truex. And then Ty Dillon decides to jump Chase Briscoe coming off a three. So then we go to back to another restart. And we go that that next last restart is when Denny washed up whatever he did into Kyle Larson and fenced him. Um, he says he didn't touch him. Video kind of says otherwise. Um, you've seen some angles where – May not have touched him, but either way, he still fenced it. So, then he fences him. Larson shows his displeasure on the track. And then we go to the final restart, and NASCAR felt like they messed up again when Denny gets a great launch, and he's going to win the race. And then Ryan Priest is wrecked by Corey LeJoy. And then he's wrecked. Um, they don't throw the caution until everybody's already taking a white flag. And that is how the race ended. Post-race interviews were um, quite candid from Kyle Larson, basically calling Denny out, saying he always has to be right around the friend group, um, and that he's never had to call and apologize to Denny about anything. Denny later said otherwise in his post-race media. Um, but that to be, we'll talk about that here in a few moments. And then Ryan Priest also confronted Corey LeJoy after the incident that happened there um, with two to go. So, And now it's time for Jonathan to tell you his true feelings, though, about uh, the Larson and Hamlin incident. I feel like I covered everything else, though, so let's go ahead and dive into that. My true feelings. That's a beautiful way to word that. Um, 
on Sunday, I could not have recorded this podcast because it would have been two hours of me just complaining, crying, hollering at, about Denny Hamlin. I still feel like he wronged Larson. I feel like he fenced him. And if he didn't touch him, it had to have been like a piece of notebook paper between them. I mean, that's all. So I still think from watching the cameras that they made contact. And I think it was a dirty move, to be honest with you. I think Hamlin just decided to go into one one at Pocono and just said, I'm not going to lose this race. I'm going to run him off the track. And he keeps saying that – uh, and this is going to be something – I don't know if they'll release it later in the week or not. But something that he said was that he gave Larson a lane. It was his choice to either let off the gas and not wreck. In one of Kyle's interviews, he talks about you can check the SMT data to where he obviously let off the throttle. And Larson fully believes that Denny knocked him into the wall anyway. With so letting off the gas really wasn't going to help that. And uh, I believe that uh, the main thing we need to talk about is, yes, Kyle Larson has made some mistakes in the past. Okay, a mistake he made last year at Las Vegas led to him getting right hooked by Bubba. The right hooking was wrong, but he did make a mistake there. He made a mistake on Ryan Priest this year at the uh, dirt track, the Bristol Dirt Race. And obviously him and Chase had a couple of run-ins last year. The one thing that uh, I'll say is most of the time, Larson, through the years, has been in unbelievable battles with Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, obviously, um, Kevin Harvick, all the way back to his rookie year, Jeff Gordon. And he's always raced super clean for the most part for a win. Most of the mistakes you see him make, other than the Chase Elliott mistakes last year, are early in a race for whatever reason, trying to get track position. But he usually races you hard and clean for a win. But it's obvious, especially with Hamlin, who is supposedly one of his buddies, doesn't feel that's the way he's going to race Kyle. And I felt good that Larson went after him under the caution. Because he has never, as many times as this kind of thing has happened with Larson, and me and Brett have talked about it in the past, that he just brushes it off and goes on about his day. It really got under his skin more this time than it ever has before because I think he was looking at the playoff points that were lost, the over 20 points that he lost toward the uh, regular season championship. And for you, those of you that don't follow the sport or newer to the sport, even though we have the playoffs, those top 10 positions and points are really, really important because the higher you finish, the more playoff points you get. And one single playoff point can make the difference between going from the round of eight to four. Mm-hmm. And I think he had that in his head. And uh, I hope that we see him stand up for himself. I don't want him to go right hook nobody. I don't want nobody getting right hook because you'll uh, wind up getting somebody hurt. But let's just say – next week at Richmond or even in the playoffs at one of the short tracks or maybe a road course. Hamlin's in a bad spot in points, has to get a finish. Larson just bumps him a little bit to make him not be able to advance. He's got to stand up for himself, and I hope we see that, honestly. In the coming. I don't want him to wreck nobody, but he needs to show that he ain't going to take no more crap. I agree. I, I think that is the only knock um, I would have on – Kyle Larson about the whole thing is you would love to see him um, do something to Denny. And again, like I said, like I've told you already, you just want to see it, see it count, right? You, you want to see Larson make it count for him and also the expense of Denny. So maybe not even this weekend in Richmond, but maybe we see some payback coming to playoffs and, biggest thing that really bothers me about Denny and this whole thing, um, I respect Kyle Larson. You know, he's probably up there with the Joseph Newgardens and your Lewis Hamiltons, your Max Verstappens, and, you know, Kyle Bushes and whoever else you want to throw in that category of greatest drivers in the world right now and in motorsports. And um, it just bugs me that you have that type of guy that doesn't stand up for himself. And I think it's getting to a point where he's going to have to, like we said, um, and, and yeah, you get back to Denny. What what really bothers me about Denny, I really respect him as, you know, a podcast host and what he does for the sport. 
Um, but even on Action Detrimentalist Week, I have yet to watch it, but I have the clip pulled up here, and I'm reading the comments under um, a video entitled What Happened Between Denny Hammond and Kyle Larson. And all of these comments are basically saying that Denny reiterated on there that he did not touch Kyle Larson. Um, so I have to go back and watch it. Um, this was just released um, um, on Monday. Real, real quick, Brett, I mm-hmm. did watch that, and I forgot to mention it. Uh, he does basically say everything that he said Sunday. Yeah, and it's he just ain't backing off. I mean, even if you even if you have, for me, I feel like, and I and I could say this because I have a lot of myself. I feel like if you come and would have shoved the microphone in my face right after I get out of the car, and then if I go to victory lane and I celebrate, or I didn't win, I'm on pit road. I'm you know do all my media there, and then. Either I, you know, if you win the race, you got to go do uh, post-race media in the media center, or if you don't, you're probably still going to have to do media on Monday like Kyle Larson did. Either way, I feel like I would have at least seen enough evidence if I'm Denny Hamlin at that point. Maybe if I get out of the car and say, yeah, he wrecked himself. Maybe maybe I, I'm, I'm not going to fault Denny for saying that. I'm I really not because at that point he hasn't seen a replay. He hasn't seen enough to say – Whatever. And, you know, when they're in that race car, they're only seeing one view, and that's the view that they have. But after you went and celebrated in victory lane, now that you're in the media center, now that you're doing interviews with the media, you have probably seen eight different views by this at this point of people coming up to you, showing us on your phone, whatever. And then you double down. Okay? I, I can't necessarily I, – I would say I don't think I would do the same thing there if I'm Denny Hamlin. But, okay, two stri- or three strikes and you're out. You then have a podcast that is listened to by the majority of the fan base, whether they like you or not, and then you triple down on Monday afternoon and you say, no, I, I didn't touch him. And it's like you just at some point have to have accountability to say what I did was dirty. You know, if you're going to get mad at Ross Chastain and say Ross has done certain things, that was as bad as anything Ross Chastain has done. The, the only two incidents in recent memory for me that was – that, that that were worse than that was when Chase Elliott right hooked Denny at Charlotte and when Bubba did what he did to Larson last year at Las Vegas. Coincidentally, both of the parties that were involved in those two instances are also involved here. But those are the only two incidents, in, in my opinion, that were worse than that. Um, I mean, it was just dirty. Like, and I'm not just saying this because this was my guy doing it. I don't think, you know, people gave Joey Logano down the road last year at the Southern 500. Um, for what he did when he moved William Byron out of the way. I didn't feel like that was dirty. I felt like that was payback. It's not even like this was payback for anything. This was just flat out dirty. And Mm -hmm. you just would want Denny to admit, hey, I wanted a win. Hey, if he has to pay me back, he's got to do what he's got to do. But I really wanted that win. You know what? You you have respect for somebody. But just to sit there and lie is, I don't know. It, it really is – that goes beyond the race car, I guess, for me. And it's just like, man, just be a good human being and just say, yeah, I, I jumped him or whatever. But anyway. Yeah, the way that he's acting afterwards is is really bugging me. It's – uh, and uh, you brought up, like, the Ross Chastain thing last year. That's – Chastain at that point, not a Hamlin fan, but Hamlin owed him one. He did. By that point. So, I don't have a problem with it there. And if Lark – and let's just go ahead and be honest. Larson and Hamlin had a problem earlier in the year. Now, mm-hmm. I think that was more racing than this. But still, Hamlin definitely didn't cut him a break after Larson and ran him clean for 20 laps at Canada. I was on Denny's side after that. I really was. You and I talked about it mm-hmm. that night, actually. I was on mm-hmm. Denny's side. I said, well, I said, you know, Kyle Larson got really, really loose coming off of two. Denny had a run. You're not going to lift on the last lap. I mean, that's just – it was it was a, it was a, it was a you know fact of the matter. It was, I mean you know you're not going to lift on the final lap. Um, I think Kyle Larson would have done the same thing there. I will say yeah. that. I think I think any race car driver would have done the same thing. You're not going to lift, knowing that the guy in front of you is loose. And if you don't lift, if you keep it wide open, you're probably going to win the race. I mean that's just common sense, I think. But and again, also though, still cost Kyle a win. So. Kyle's got that in the back of his head, and then what happens when Sunday happens? It's kind of like, well, you already rolled me once this year, but I kind of gave you a pass on it. 
now you're mm-hmm. wronging me again and it was intentional like there was intent there that you said there wasn't so yeah i thought it was a again i i just think that again two days removed from it um denny's acting like a child and that he's got to grow up man he's what is is he 40 now over 40 i think he's 39 or 40 yeah i mean you know either way you're around 40 man you got to stop acting like he did when you're in your mid-20s like grow up dude like you look at everybody else in sport kevin harvick's growing up even joey is growing up i mean guys that acted immature back in the day they've they've grown up um austin Dillon, who's over 30 obviously is not growing up but we'll get to him here soon <laughs> but you've seen my point is you've seen even a guy like Abel jr who maybe was immature early in his career he grew up um you know, and his immaturity cost him success in his career, too. Right. And my point is, is that it's always great. Even a guy like a Martin Truex, I'd even say. Not saying he was ever immature, but he definitely has matured. So you watch all these guys as they get older in life and as they have more years in the sport, they mature not only as human beings, but as race car drivers. And Denny just has not done that. I mean, because we're watching their lives unfold because their careers are so public right there on national television every Sunday. And you're just not seeing that from Denny. And, again, it just bothers me when he has the platform that he has, not only as a race car driver, not only as a car owner, not only as a podcast host, but just as a celebrity. I mean, what are the faces of the sport? And you can sit there and say that. But I'm going to say something that a lot of people probably said out of disgust and a lot of people said out of taking a shot at Denny. But I don't even mean this as taking a shot at Denny. I, I mean this flat out as the truth. And I think you agree with me here. This is the reason he has not won a championship. We talked about our greatest drivers that never won a championship on our last podcast. This is why, if he retires, he will be the greatest driver on that list because he still has this mentality. It's, it's, not, it's not a shot at Denny. That's not anything. But this is why. This is why, Denny. If you retire and you don't have a championship, this is why. And that's my final thoughts on it. Yep, and me and you talked about it before we started recording a little bit. If Larson was to get him back, let's just say at Martinsville to keep him from going from Phoenix to Phoenix, it won't be the first time Nick came back to bite him in the butt and kept mm-hmm. him from winning a championship. Because in 17, when he wrecked Chase at Martinsville, at that point, Phoenix was the race before the championship four. And Chase got even with him and cost handling championship four a bit at Homestead that year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like I said, that's enough of this. I feel like I, you did a good job of leading into it, and I did my best not to be biased, guys. So we'll move on. First on-track incident of the day where it's just amazing to me. And I hope – now, you brought it up earlier. Maybe he had went to the medical center. He hadn't seen no replays yet. Hopefully he has seen the replays by now, and he's changed his mindset. But if he hasn't, I don't know what to tell Austin Dillon if he still thinks that uh, Tyler Reddick took him out on Sunday because that was obviously not the case. Yeah, it was It was a weird incident. It was a racing incident, for one. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just put that out there. But it was weird. Um, you know, it was like they're both fighting for the same real estate, as I like to say, because Austin right there, we've seen guys do it all day you pretty much give up a spot. You, you're going to give up the spot right there, right? Like if you're going in one, mm-hmm. it's middle, middle of the race, somewhere around in there, they were in stage two. But if you're, if you're at that point, um, you're going to give up the spot to the guy that's under you. Tyler Reddick obviously had the faster car. He also has the lane below you. He's going to carry more momentum into the corner. Why would you try, try to squeeze him down in the corner in the run? I call it that lane and a half. Well, you're not quite in the second lane, but you're obviously not in the bottom lane because the guy on the bottom lane, you're squeezing him all the way down in the apron. You're in that lane and a half, but somebody's under you. You're, you, you're Somebody's obviously going to wreck. And it wasn't going to be Tyler Reddick because he had all the momentum going in there. So it was a stupid move on Austin Dillon. He basically spun himself out. Um, and like you pointed out, I, I think the best thing about the incident was not the fact that he threw the helmet, not the fact he made himself look like an idiot, but the fact that he was okay. And I mean that all, all jokes aside, because mm-hmm. it is finally showing these cars are safe. Um, if that would happen last year, I'd be very concerned that he would have a concussion right now. So I am happy about that. Yeah. Um, but, but to get, 
Go ahead. A very hard hit. Yeah. Very hard hit. And, I mean, I was – I'm just, just a point, disappointed in Austin Dillon because I've always liked Austin. I've always liked Richard. But Richard keeps trying to defend him. And I get it. That's your grandson. I do, I do get it. I get it. There is a form of nepotism there. Um, but I I don't know. It just bothers me. Got out the car when him and Austin Cedric had their incident earlier this year and was screaming SMT dad, SMT dad, SMT dad. I said, Cedric right reared him. And then Sunday got out of the car screaming SMT data. You know, you'll see. And it's like, we don't need to see it. We saw what happened on the track. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like I said, those, those Dylan boys, even what happened with Ty later in the race and Richard, awesome, awesome people. I met all three awesome people, but we just, you, you, you got to stop acting like an idiot, Austin. You got to stop acting like an idiot. And this is the same guy in Tyler Reddick. Without him, he, he could have taken two wins from you in your career at Texas and at Daytona last year. But he was a great teammate when he's in that eight car. And even furthermore, he he's shown it, but Kyle Busch has is, is solidified it, that RCR has really good equipment. You know, I know you're probably the same. Obviously, we've met in the last six months. But for years and years and years there, after Kevin Harvick left, it was like, man, RCRs really went downhill. But I don't think it was that they ever went downhill. Maybe they just didn't have the right drivers in the race car. And then you bring Tyler Reddick wrong, and he develops. And we saw what he did last year. And then now you've seen what Kyle Busch has done this year. I mean, I don't think that eight car is that much better than that three car, is my point. So, Austin, Austin's got to get his mentality straight. Yeah, I agree with you. And one thing on the wreck before we touch on the other stuff about RCR, it's not – I could understand if Austin – if Tyler had dove bombing in there at the last second under him and it happened. But Reddick was underneath him for pretty much right past the start-finish line, had a fender on him that entire rest of the straightaway. So – and like you said, the most important thing is that he's okay. But as far as the shape that RCR is in, at some point, sponsors are going to get tired of just, oh, he's the grandson. I'm sorry. It's going to ha- It eventually happened with Danica. She couldn't keep sponsors. I'm not trying to talk bad about Danica. But when she first came in, she had all these huge sponsors. But after a few years of not running good, they went away. And then – uh. At some point, like, you got guys like Austin Hill right now. Richard, at some point, has got to decide how much he wants to keep Austin in that car. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sorry, from what I've seen, I know it's just the Xfinity Series. If I had, if I was a betting man, I'd bet that Austin Hill would have a more productive cup career than Austin Dillon has had or will have. Um, and there's plenty of other guys in the Chevrolet camp in the lower ranks that you could get. Um. Now I will give Austin credit. It sounds like he was really key in getting Kyle Busch over there. Mm-hmm. But man, you're right. Kyle Busch has put him to shame this year, and Tyler did it last year. And in all honesty, Tyler did it the year before too. He was just still young and making mistakes that cost him wins. But the year in 2021, they car outran the three all year. He just made a bunch of mistakes being younger. And he's finally started to get used to the Cup Series and how to race these longer races. And it showed last year by him winning three different times and then uh, what Kyle's done in that car this year. The only thing Kyle's, the three teams, I mean the eight team, they got to figure out consistency because they're one week running top three, the next week running 15th to 20th. Right. Or have, so, but still, by far better than what the three teams done. And I agree with you. There ain't that – difference in equipment from one car to the other. So I wish Austin could figure it out, but man, let's be honest. He's been what full time since 2013, 14. One of those years. I I, I think it's 14, but it might yeah, be 14. 14. It, I, th- I want to say it was 14, but uh, that's a lot of time. Obviously, Man, it just don't look good. Because you look at his wins, he won the 600 on fuel mileage. Now, granted, the great drivers have won races on fuel mileage. But their only wins ain't like that. He won the Coca-Cola 600 on fuel mileage. He won the 18-500. Let's just be honest, he didn't even try to pass Admiral. He just straight up dumped him on the right. back straightaway. 
Then Texas, the race that you brought up, he that Reddick could have won. Before the last caution, he was running like 10th, eight seconds behind the leader and took two tires and held on for two laps. Then Daytona last year, we all know what happened. He was running like 17th or 18th, and the rain hits. They don't call a caution. He misses the wreck, and then Tyler just doesn't pass him when they get it back going. There's not one race win in 10 years that you can say he went out there and outperformed the field. Not one. So I think that's the issue that eventually Rich Children's going to have to look at, or maybe Austin needs to look at stuff in the mirror. And I'm like, you, I like Austin. But maybe he needs to think at this point, he's won two championships in the lower divisions. He's had a better career than me and you have. I mean, let, can't, right. let, you know, let's give him that. He made it. He's won races, been champions in the lower division. But at some point, RC's getting older. Maybe Austin needs to look at trying to help run that team and get on that side of it if he wants that team to be successful long-term because Austin isn't it as a driver. And that's where I'll leave it at that. Well, well, like him, like you said, I like the guy, mm-hmm. but he just man, the talent ain't there. I mean, that's what his dad did. You know, his dad tried to run in a Bush series, and not again. I, I know it sounds like we're taking shots, but we're really just being honest. And I think that's the thing we try to do here, whether it involves our driver or not. Here in Chevrolet, past and present, you know, his dad. Most notable thing he really did in his driving career is when him and Michael Waltrip got into it in Bristol in the Bush series. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got in a fight. And, you know, his dad, his dad does a great job, just like Joe Gibbs' sons, God rest their soul, but just like they did for many, many years. They do a lot of – they did a lot of great work behind the scenes in the development of that program over there at JGR. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Mike Dillon over there at RCR. I think he has been fantastic over there behind the scenes. Um, I would never know this, but the evidence has shown itself with 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 what they've done, right? And so, for me, I think Austin could be the same guy. The difference is, is Mike was probably somewhere around late 30s, early 40s when he kind of stepped into that role over there. Austin's 33. Austin is the same age as Joey Logano. Austin was born in 1990. He's the same as Ryan Priest, same age as Josh Berry. I mean, all those guys are right around the same age, right? Um, and, you know, most of those guys are around that age, whether it's a three- or four-year difference. You know, your Chase Elliott's, your your uh, Tyler Reddick's, um, and then, you know, you group a guy like a Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs into that, even younger, you know, because they're about seven to ten years younger than those guys. But he's still in that primal years of his career. Um, but looking at his numbers, he's ran 336 career races. He's only had four wins, as we mentioned. He's only had 72 top tens. He's only had six poles. And that's just a big side of it for that. I mean, he is an Xfinity Series champion. He is a Truck Series champion, like you said. He's had a better NASCAR career than you or I ever will. He's been a champion of a National Touring Series, but in the Cup Series, he's been a he's been a disappointment. And I don't. Want, and again, I know we've said it eight gazillion times, but I just don't want it to seem like we are hating on Austin Dillon. I like him, but something's got to change and something's got to click for him within the next two to three years or his racing career, at least at the Cup Series, will be done. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If Joey Logano would have kept doing numbers like this, Joey Logano wouldn't be in the sport. If he'd have went to Penske, ran like that for two or three years, he'd be done. We wouldn't know where Joey Logano is right now. And I'm not trying to talk about the Silver Spoon. Obviously, Austin, you know, has a big advantage as far as that's concerned with the – I'm not calling it Silver Spoon because he did earn his way through the lower ranks. It just hasn't panned out when he got to the Cup Series. But there's a lot of drivers with his numbers, or in some cases better numbers, that didn't make it 10 years in this sport because of the owners and wanting more success and sponsorship issues. But uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Like I said, I'd love for to see Austin do good. I think it's good to see that number do good mm-hmm. on the, and and I like Austin. And ain't I ain't got nothing against him, like we said earlier. But the numbers don't lie. That's all you can say about it when you're talking about Austin's career. Uh, moving on, the next issue was for some reason we're picking on the Dillon family today, or I am. What in the world was Ty Dillon thinking with under ten laps to go by intentionally wrecking Chase Briscoe? Completely changed the outcome of the race. Without this move, we aren't talking about turn one between Hamlin and Larson. Uh, 
you got to have better situational awareness at that point. If you're running in a backmarker team, the last thing you want is to get that kind of eyes on you for cause bad of a move. The timing of it was terrible. Maybe I'm being a little biased, but man, I cannot stand, and I hate to use this term, but I think I told you also Rand. And when I was texting the other day, I don't want to use that. But let's just say guys that struggle to run in the top 25 mm-hmm. affect the finish of these races. And it happens all the time, I know. But accidents happen. But for whatever reason, somebody that struggled – I mean, Ty Dillon, I, I haven't looked at the points, but I think he's possibly the worst in points of any driver that's ran every race this year. If I'm not mistaken, if he ain't, he's right there at it. A guy that struggles to run in the top 30 every week is going to intentionally wreck somebody with 110 to go that completely changes the race. And you never know that incident could have huge implications come October and November. And it is as far as playoff points are concerned. It's uh pitiful in my opinion. I don't know what happened to maybe make him that mad, but let's be honest. And if, if Chase Briscoe did something ignorant trying to pass him, then a little bit of blame falls on him too. You don't need to be knocking each other out of the way and then doing payback for 25th to 30th place. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about it. I agree. Um, and it's pretty pitiful when you look at all of the guys. I I, I had the points pulled up right here. Um, of all the guys who's made 21 starts this year, which is how many races had, Ty Dillon has substantially less points. He only had scored 200 points on the season. Um, with Chase Briscoe being next to that 257. So the two guys that have ran <clears throat> all 21 races that have scored the least amount of points in that incident, and you do have to give Chase Briscoe the benefit of the doubt, though. And, I, again, I'm not taking up for him. I do like him. He's one of my favorites. You know, I, I got my favorites. He is one of them. Um, he did have that big points penalty, which has really put him in a deficit this year. Um, that happened after – was it was after the 600 if I'm not mistaken so um yeah it's been a horrible season for both of those two teams difference is though Ty Dillon drives for Spire and Chase Briscoe yeah as they chart so and um, that's that's let, let alone that's bad that Chase Briscoe is leaving anywhere near Ty yeah Stuart Haas has got to figure something out we talk about that every week Harvick and Rodney Childers every week, top five, top six. And Eric Amarola has shown a little bit more speed here the last few weeks. I'll give him credit. But, man, that 14 team, for a team that made the playoffs, and he was really close to actually making the Final Four with that incredible run that he made through the playoffs last year, being so consistent and making great comebacks, won a race last year. That 14 team, it is crazy. But, Ty, he had the only driver – of every driver that's ran every single race, he is the uh, lowest in points because Noah below him missed a race. What's pathetic is, what's really pathetic, and I'll, I'll call him out, what's really pathetic, Chase Elliott missed seven races this year, six due to the injury, one due to suspension, and he has scored <laughs> 199 more points than Ty Dillon. He has scored almost 150 points more than Chase Briscoe. Like, he scored over 100 points more. Let's call out two more drivers than Harrison Burton and Austin Dillon, who are running in top equipment. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean. I'll, oh, real yeah. quick, I will say this. Briscoe did get hammered by a penalty, though. That did affect his points. Well, yeah, yeah. I brought that up I, after the 600. Yeah, mm-hmm. 600, it really messed him up. But still, regardless, I mean. Um, other drivers get hit by points penalties. I mean, they're not that far down. I mean, he had yeah. been bad. Well, and just to bring it up, you know, we talk about Austin Sindrick struggling. Chase Elliott's ahead of him in points, barely, but he is. Yeah. And Austin hasn't missed a race. So, I mean, Chase is one spot for being in the top 20. He ain't going to get there. We'll talk about the playoffs in a minute. But uh, he isn't going to get there on points, I don't believe. There is uh, – I mean, we just want to highlight, that's really the last issue. There was one issue where people now will defend Hamlin on this. People were calling out Hamlin for Rick and Bowman. I'm sorry, that's just racing. We've seen it in NASCAR for decades. 
you get right on that quarter panel just right, close enough, it'll affect the air. I'm sorry, in a car that's hard to pass, that's an effective move, and it's got to be up to you to save the car and to know how to save it because you see that. You used to see it with the cars that had a lot less downforce and more horsepower every single week, and guys didn't wreck. And um, that's just on, I think, Alex, it was a tough spot he got put in, but you just got to be able to save the car in that situation, in my opinion, and I don't blame Hamlin at all for that one. Yeah, and we did see the same similar incident happen earlier in the race with Christopher Bell. He just spun out on his own because of aero issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right there, like you said, that's on Bowman. Um, I think pro- – I don't want to sound like I'm dissing on Bowman because I feel like I do all the time. But I, I feel like it was – if there are other guys in that car, they might save it. But I also would say that no matter who's behind Bowman right there, it's probably still going to be an accident. So it's not Denny's fault. Mm-hmm. Um but it, that's just a weird racing incident. I, I think it could have, it could have happened a lap after the lap before, and Bowman might have not would even wrecked. But maybe it just got the perfect arrow there. So I mean, we well, I've never been in that that one of those cars, so I can't really necessarily say that. But like you said, we've seen air, those arrow incidents for for many many years. But um, was uh, a great used- race. But go ahead. I was just going to say, Rick, we used to, that was a, what, a method of passing people. You'd get right down on that quarter panel, mm-hmm. make them get a little bit loose, slide up the track and go around them. Jeff Gordon was famous for that. He did it all the time. And, uh, but anyway, it w- go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry I stepped in on you right there. Oh, you're good. You're good, yeah. I watched a video the other day where Harvick was racing Kyle Busch in an Xfinity race, like in 2000-something, way back, and made Kyle Busch spin out because he was above him and just, like, took the wind off of, or took the air off of him in the corner and made him spin right around. But, yeah, looking at the results, Kevin Harvick finished P4, back-to-back weeks for him, top five. Ty Gibbs with his first career, top five. Um, Harrison Burton with the first top ten this year. Uh, Celebrate it, Brett. Oh, yes. Yes. Celebrate it. It's a rare <laughs> thing. Because if, if we don't have that final caution, I'm not saying Harrison's winning a race. What I am saying, though, is he might get in the top five. Because he was picking people off. I have not seen that 21 car drive through the field since David Pearson. So, um, well, it seems like that. <laughs> Some weeks of it. It just seems like we have not seen the 21 car run so well. It's been two long years of Harrison in that car. God bless him. I, I pull for the poor fellow, but it has been a disappointment. But it wasn't on Sunday. Uh, Eric Jones and Chase Elliott ran out the top 10. Bubble with another good finish. Um, and P11, he really needed that for his points, especially after Suarez wrecked out. Eric Amarola 12th, which is very impressive to see. Um, Brad and Chris Butcher felt like RFK showed some speed, but 16th and 17th, 16th and 18th, not necessarily um, really showing it. Mentioned Larson, really messed him up on that final restart. He finished 20th. Um, disappointed Austin Sendrick, started 9th, finishes 23rd. And yeah, we pretty much covered everybody else's day. Out of those guys, who was the most. Impressive and maybe the most disappointing from Sunday. Well, I'm going to go with disappointed first, and it's because of the huge implications it has on playoffs. That is your 36th and last place finisher, Daniel Suarez. He got involved in that wreck on the restart of stage two with uh, Joey. And, man, with the position he's in in the points, that's bad. That really hurt that team because I don't think they have the speed to win right now. So they're going to have to point their way in. And it's not just a Suarez thing on speed. Take away Nashville, ever since Darlington, Ross Chastain hasn't been a factory, uh, except for Nashville. And uh, that team has lost some as many speed, and I ain't going to count the street course. I ain't going to add that into it because it's so different, and it's a different driver that had a bunch of experience on street courses compared to everybody else. I don't really include that day for trackouts having winning speed necessarily. But they got some work to do, and that hurt. I would, my most Ty Gibbs, I was impressed by him because he actually had a couple issues and fell back and was able to come back to the top five after running good the first half of the race. I ain't sure if he had a bad pit stop or whatever or some got messed up on some of the strategy, but he had fell back. I think he actually made contact with the wall at one point Sunday. But he was able to come back, get a top five, solid run. That kid's being super clean, not making no enemies this year. He's earned a lot of respect back from me from some of the stuff he did in Xfinity days. I know Brett was a huge fan. I 
was one of the guys criticizing him. But I have earned a lot of respect from Ty this year so far. And then Rattle now I didn't, now I, didn't say I, was, I ain't pulling for him. I know I respect hey, him. That's all I needed to hear though. You know, he's 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 again one of my guys. I know Joey is the guy for me, but he's one of the guys. Um and yeah, he's been very impressive to me. I know I was probably on the wrong end of history last year when I defended him after Martinsville. And to be quite honest with you, those comments maybe were the worst thing that he did that day. I don't that that incident that happened with him and Brandon Jones, I didn't find an issue with it, but I see how people would. So I say all that to say this. He's come out this year. He had the incident with Ty Dillon on pit road last year. He had other incidents that happened in the Xfinity series um, where I felt like he was wrong, but he also wronged other people. And this year, like you said, he's come out. He's raced everybody clean. Um, I can't really even think of an issue. Well, there's been one issue I can think of this year, and that was with Michael McDowell and the All-Star Open. Um, that's the only mm-hmm. issue that he's really even had this year. And I didn't – Maybe I'm being biased, but well, you and I talked about it, so I don't think I'm being biased. You didn't. You said he didn't do anything wrong there. I didn't think he did either. I think it was Michael McDowell just kind of being mad because he felt like that was a way to race an All Star race. So yeah, I think McDowell. I think I told you this when I was talking about. It. I think McDowell so far into his career now, before he started actually having some competitive cars that he's seen in the past. Chances from just being in poor equipment, and he's looking at his age now. He don't know how many chances he'll have. And I think his fuse is just getting set a little center because now he's actually got decent equipment with front row, and he's wanting to take advantage of it. So I think I think he's just got a mindset that probably affected him more than the actual incident should have. Right. I agree. If that makes sense to you from what I'm saying. Because he sees a finish line coming, and he sees – so, but uh, <laughs> looking at the playoffs, Suarez, I was, I was talking about 23. People that are new to the sport may look, well, that's not nothing. You got five races or sport. That's half a race, though, worth of points. Yep. So, I mean, that's a big deal for a team that has not shown they can get up there and battle for top fives and stages and wins. Almondinger, negative 17. I think he's got a chance to point his way in because of the road courses. And that team has slowly started to have better speed on the non-road courses the last month or so. They don't have winning speed, but they've got speed that can contend with McDowell mm-hmm. and Suarez and Wallace some days. Um, and then you got McDowell in by 17. I'll give that team huge credit. We have never seen front row in a position to point their way into the playoffs. They have gotten a lot better. Speaking of him, real quick, rumor mill, he might be a favorite to replace Almirola or one of the drivers of Stuart Haas if they move on. Mm-hmm. At this point, I don't know if he should go to Stuart Haas. Because he's out running three of the four almost every week. I mean, it would be hard to turn down, but right now he's running apparently in better equipment. Well, the highest running – I mean, obviously, besides Kevin Hart, but the highest-running SHR car in the standings would be 25th with Eric Almirola. Um, McDowell has scored 455 points this year. Almirola scored 352. He scored over 100 more points than him this year. They have both started 21 races. I got yeah. out there. Yeah, that's correct. And to be honest with you, I'm not a Ford guy, but I want Stuart Haas to get it fixed. Because I want Stewart's name to still be relevant. He's one of the greats. He bought in this team so he could be involved long after he's raced. But, man, it's, they're giving me a little bit of the RFK vibe. I had yes. to go – I mean, let's go from being championship threats, contenders. They've got the one superstar driver left that's leaving at the end of the year. And he's the only one being even in competition close at all kind of like Edwards was in 14 at Roush. Mm-hmm. I hope it don't go that way, but, man, it seems real similar, and I hope it turns it around. That's all I'll talk to say that because we beat up on Stuart Haas, especially me. Everyone. And it ain't that I'm trying to talk bad about him because I don't want them to fade like that is what I'm – as a fan. I'm a Hendrick fan, but I don't want to see a team with Tony Stewart's name attached to it just go to not being relevant. Well, obviously, and, I don't want to see any kind of forward slow. 
I mean, well, it's yeah. Just been disappointing. It's just been disappointing this year for me. Um, obviously, Kevin has been awesome, but I mean, it's just so disappointing to see those other three guys. Really, for me, Ryan Priest and Chase Briscoe. It's no offense to Eric Almarola, but I don't think he possesses the talent that the other three guys in, in shop do, and I don't think he possesses the talent that even Josh Berry does coming in next year. But it's like these calls. I mean, you got to take a guy in top equipment right now, or excuse me, you got to take a top driver and put him in that equipment to even make it look halfway decent. I mean, just imagine if Kevin Harvick was driving for Hendrick this year, how well he's run in that equipment. Just imagine what he he could have done this year. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how bad that equipment is, in my opinion. And I know Rodney is probably, if he's not the best, he's one of the top two or three best crew chiefs in the garage. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he could be doing setup-wise to make that four car that much better. Right. Between the rest of them. But I will say this. Five years ago, Harvick's went in seven or eight races a year. The other ones would have been one or two. So maybe Rodney is doing something that he ain't sharing notes. I don't. <laughs> I find that hard to believe as the other ones are that he they wouldn't be sharing. So I don't know what could be going on over there. But uh, then you got Wallace above McDowell, plus 27. Wallace, if he goes out there in top 10, top 15s at the death, I think we'll make it. Because there's not going to be – well, he could possibly be in trouble because there outside chance we get two new winners from outside the top 16. So he could have to worry about that. But I will go ahead and say, in my opinion, Harvick's a given. He's 163 ahead. But Keselowski and Busher, I think, don't have nothing to worry about because I don't think you're going to see them. They're too good of a driver caliber-wise just to go and wreck cars the next five weeks, and they ain't going to have five engine failures in a row. You're, they got over a two-race lead. You ain't going to get four new winners in the next few weeks, I don't believe. I think there's too many guys hot right now between Truex, Larson, Hamlin, Byron, and then you got the road courses where I think possibly Elliott might be the one guy that would win to get in. But over the last two years, uh, Elliott has not been as strong with the road courses as he was before the next gen. That's the only one I see other than maybe A.J. winning that ain't in the top 16 right now. And uh, that's my feelings on it. And then it'll be interesting to see if Truex holds on to win the regular season title. I think he will because he's just been so consistent at any type of track we go to. He had race winning. If he'd have got clean air, clean air mattered a ton at Pocono on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But when he had it, he was three seconds ahead of the field. The other ones would get like a second to where Truex, when he'd get in the dirty air, couldn't catch him no more. But when Truex got in it, he was gone. That caught, They're fast every week right now. And mm -hmm. it's hard to see. And Truex is a good enough driver. He isn't going to wreck himself out of these races. Bad luck to keep him from winning it, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been really, really good. I think that's been the best team probably over the last two months. And you want to catch heat at some point. I'm just hoping that the the Team Penske guys they've been able to find some speed. Hopefully they can they can catch that eight like they did last year in the playoffs because the 12 and the 22 surely did it. So um, and hopefully SHR can just find it somewhere. But yeah, I've been very impressed with Toyota camp in general. Um, Bubba and Tyler have been running awesome. Uh, Bubba's Bubba's uh, pit crew just keeps costing him. Yes, it, it's it's pathetic. Honestly, I mean they they I don't I don't. Uh, encourage anybody to get fired, but they might want to go out and <laughs> find a new pit crew somewhere because the guys pitting that car just keep costing Bubba, man. Because um, he has not been running like a – I mean, he's 16th in the points, but I, I really feel like they've been a top 12 team this year. Um, or he's been a top 12 driver, let's just say that. And the, the team has maybe been a top 25 team, um, with excluding him. He, he's been fantastic this year. And, you know, I, I said it – the beginning of the year, um, I think I probably even told you this, that the thing that needed to happen for Bubba Wallace this year, it was a prove-it year for him. He needed to come out here, and he needed to run well. And Bubba has done just that. He hasn't gotten that win yet. I feel like he probably hasn't had race-winning speed too many places, but he has had competitive speed everywhere. And I felt like this has been really, really, really good for, for Bubba this year.
So, um, but yeah, that's that's all I had on Pocono. Um, I'm really excited to talk about next week with Richmond. Yeah, I'm, just to touch on Bubba real quick, I'm not a huge fan, and it's completely you right hook my dude at Vegas. I'm not going to be the biggest fan, but I can be biased about it. He has improved so much this year, right. assistant wise. But the poor dude, and I feel bad for him some weeks because he'll sit there. Or he quite, let's just say for some reason that team struggles in qualifying a little bit mm-hmm. compared to some of the other guys. Let's say he'll start 18th. If you look at it, by the time they get to the first pit stop, he's like 11th, 10th. At the pit stop, you look up the poor dude's in 20th. And I mean, it ain't like they're just messing up and losing one or two spots. You're talking about losing 10, 11 spots in some of these cases. Right. And I don't know, Denny and them guys at 23-11, they've got to figure something out to help that man. Because eventually, and I'll say this, if I was Bubba, if I kept doing that every single week, eventually I'm going to blow up over that radio like Kevin Harvey used to do at his big curve. It ain't going to be long where people are going to be talking bad about Bubba because of radio outburst. And I'm sorry, I ain't going to blame him for it. Because right, yeah. at some point, enough's enough. <laughs> Either yep. get better or replace them. I mean, it's a, I hate, I'm like you. I don't want nobody to get fired. I'm sure those guys are living their dreams. But, man, you've got to be able to produce. And at this point, let's say he makes the playoffs. And he's eight points ahead going into the round of 12 in the cutoff race in the round of 16. That pit crew could very easily, if they keep doing what they've been doing, lose him them eight points on pit road at a green-white checker situation. Yep. And he missed the next round. And that's going to be a really bad look for all the because Bubba's got a ton of sponsors that wants to see him make a deep playoff run. And it'll be honestly, it'd probably be good for the sport if Bubba was able to make a good playoff run, even though I'd Dislike him a little bit because of right hook and Larson. But the poor dude can't catch a break on pit road. And eventually he's going to – there's going to be some bad radio audio. And I'm not going to call him out for it because at this point he's been dealing with it since Daytona. Yeah. I mean, it's so, been all year. But uh, – They we'll probably lost him to 600. Just, just – that's all I will say. Oh, they probably lost him to 600. He was a rocket in that race. I, I can see – he definitely – I don't know if he would have won because Blaney was so fast, but I think he would have finished second or won. Mm-hmm. If it would have been at, at the worst, he'd have been second behind Blaney. But uh, moving on to Richmond, uh, Kevin Hart is the defending winner of this summer race. Uh, Kyle Larson won the first time we was there this year. I don't know how much you can compare the two races, Brett, because just the heat difference in the track. Mm-hmm. I don't know – how much of the setup can come and be the same. And then plus each team has gotten better since then. Every single week, these teams, these engineers, crew chiefs, these guys are geniuses, man. And they figure out ways to make it better. And then you add in the heat. I don't know how much you can turn from the spring race to now in. And then obviously Harvick is always really good at Richmond. He's been good at Richmond since day one. Can he defend his win? Possibly. Um, but they're obviously the setup they brought last year is not going to work because it's a year behind. But that team and Rodney have been competitive all year. You look at New Hampshire was going to win Phoenix in the spring race if it wasn't for a caution. So I think this is definitely the type of track that if Kevin Harvick's going to win a race this year, it'll come on. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. Uh, I'm going to go. He's going to be the guy, I think, that wins the race. Um, I think Kevin will get his 61st win here. Um, I previously thought that maybe he wouldn't win again, but uh, it's, it's what I was going to go with. But I, I'm going gonna, gonna to rescind that in my mind. Um, I know I hadn't said that yet, but I, I'm going to rescind that in my mind and say that he does get win number 61 here. Question mark if win number 62 comes or not. But I do think win six, number 61 comes on Sunday. Uh, I think Kyle Larson will be the highest finish in Chevrolet. And I think that um, Christopher Bale will be the highest finish in Toyota. I just think that going to a place like this with the heat, um, going to be sliding around a little bit. Uh, Christopher Bale's kind of flown under the radar a little bit the past couple of weeks with as good as Denny and Martin Truex have been. And now Ty is really starting to come into his own. I think Christopher Bale has a really, really good race on Sunday. And I think every one of them guys are good picks. You can't go wrong with Harvick. I'm not going to pick Harvick 
Would I love to see him win? Yes, because I want to see one of the sports all-time greats win in his final season. I don't – I really hope he does. I, will it come? I think he'll be in the top five for sure, and we'll see how it works out at the end. I don't think he'll go in there and dominate the race, but I think he'll be in contention, and if something happens and he wins, I will be happy for him. But uh, my pick for the Ford camp is your boy, Joey Logano. It kind of makes my – you know, makes me want to throw up a little bit by picking Joey Logano. <laughs> but uh, I think Penske has started to show some better speed here of late. Uh, obviously, he had a really strong car at Pocono on Sunday. Obviously, the track doesn't change. But, I mean, there's a huge difference in the two tracks. But uh, Joey's always fast at places like Richmond, Phoenix. And uh, I just think he'll definitely be in contention. He's not my pick to win the race, but I think he'll be the best forward. Uh, Chevrolet, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. He needs a good run. I could look like an idiot with this pick. He's been struggling here lately. But he's won there in the past. He usually runs really strong there. And Hendrick was really fast back in the spring, obviously. So with Lincoln and Josh Berry finishing second, filling in for Chase. Um, But my pick to win the race is a Toyota. And it's Martin Truex Jr. That man is just on fire right now. And last year, it obviously didn't happen. But he dominated the spring race this year. Now, people forget that. That's one thing I'm not really to go all in on Hendrick. Hendrick was fast. Larson was fast. Truex had to race one, but they had a, they made a bad pit call early in the race inside of the pit, and they didn't have fresh tires at the end of the race. Had to race one if a caution wouldn't have came out. And in years past, he has absolutely turned Richmond into naps races. I mean, let's just be honest. A couple of the races he's won at Richmond, he dominated the entire race like mm-hmm. Truex normally does. When he wins, he bores you to death. <laughs> Unless it was New Hampshire, because New Hampshire actually went up being a good race behind him. Right. But that's my pick to win. That's a strong track. Very easily could have won that race earlier in the year if it wouldn't have been for the issue with the tires on pit road. And they're just so strong right now, and I think this is just a track as good as that team's doing, that he's going to excel at, and Truex is going to win the race on Sunday, in my it's opinion. It's going to be very good, very interesting. Um, this has been the best month of racing that we've seen on the schedule this year. With SVG winning at Chicago, that was an awesome last stage that really saved that race. Atlanta was awesome, but, you know, it was ended by rain. Uh, New Hampshire, awesome. We just talked about that. Pocono behind Kansas was my favorite race of the year. And then I think Richmond will just end out a great July of uh, racing. And then as, you know, we go to August, that's uh, that's the final month of the regular season. Four more races, Michigan, the Indy Roval, Watkins Glen, and Daytona. So, uh, yeah, get your popcorn ready. Five more races of the regular season. Very excited. Exciting to finish these points. You're getting close. Got half the fan base nervous. It's going to be intense. And like you said, the last month has been incredible, and we got the tracks. With the exception, the only bummer I have looking forward to August is the Indy Road course. They should be on the oval. That's just a pet peeve real quick. But, man, we're going to have some intense racing. And I will say this about the Indy Road course. It produces some exciting, well, some craziness for those of the fan base that enjoys chaos. So mm-hmm. that will be the one for you to tune into. But, man, the racing here lately, we went through a little bit of a lull, I'd say, in April and May to where the racing, and even June, where the racing didn't seem that great. But the last month, man, we have had unbelievable racing. If we can just keep the rain away, we'll be all right. And luckily, that was the biggest thing about Pokemon on Sunday. Thank you, Lord. Let us see the sunshine through the TV screens <laughs> or if you're there in person. That was the best thing about the weekend. Um, But is there anything else you want to touch on, Brett, before we close it out? I don't think so, man. I, I Like you said, had some excellent racing, and as long as the rain ain't off for the fans, both at home and at the track, um, Richmond should be much of the same this weekend. So, really hitting that really fun stretch of the year, I think. Uh, the playoffs, the, it's just the weather cools off. We're headed into the best time of the year. And if you're like me and Red, football starts too, so you got football and racing to watch and the it's just uh, we're coming up on the best time of the year, and the racing has been incredible, and I think it's going to continue for a while. Um, 
And with that being said, guys, enjoy your race week. Um, we are going to miss out on the history episode this week because me and Brett are both going on vacation. We will have that back next week with a great episode lined up. But next time we will see you will be Monday reviewing Richmond. And uh, you all have a great weekend. Uh, support your local short tracks if you have one. And we'll see you next time. Later.